Amen. Leave that microphone on. All right. Revelation 1, verse 19, gives us the outline of the book. Write the things which you have seen, and the things which are, and the things which uh, shall be hereafter. Now, here is where we are, if you want to look at the, the screen. I'm going to give you a brief survey of what we've looked at. Revelation uh, 1 is the vision of the glorified Christ. Chapters 2 and 3 are the letters to the seven churches. Chapter 4 is praise to the Father for His role in creation. Chapter 5, praise to the Son for His role in redemption. Chapter 6 and 19 are the judgments. You have the seal judgments, the trumpet judgments, and then the bowl judgments. And they, uh, they increase in intensity. In chapter 19, uh, the latter part, Christ returns to the earth. Chapter 20, Satan is bound and the millennial kingdom is established. Now, I left off, there is one final rebellion that takes place and Satan is cast into the lake of fire. The end of chapter 20, you have the white throne judgment. We talked about that last week. Chapters 21 and 22, which is where we'll be the next three uh, messages or so, is the new heavens and the new earth. And scattered throughout there, there were five of those Non-chronological parenthetical insertions, what's our acronym for that? NCPIs, along the way. So that's kind of where we are, and we're going to be in chapter 21 uh, today. Now, chapter 21 is going to talk about the eternal state. And the Old Testament spoke, uh, speaks mainly about the millennial kingdom of Christ. That's the most frequent topic. doesn't talk a lot about heaven the eternal state. Now, it does give a reference to it. So you might ask a question, why don't we just go uh, straight from the return of Christ into the eternal state? I mean, why, why, why not? Well, let's look at a few things here. James, would you read Genesis 1, 28? And these are, it's going to be on the board here. Genesis 1, 28. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. So God created Adam, and who else is included in that? Notice it says God blessed them, it's plural. Eve. God intended for Adam and Eve to rule the world. The first man and his bride were supposed to rule the world. It wasn't until sin came into being that the relationships were distorted. Now, in the, uh, in the millennial kingdom, Christ will rule with his bride and will have a perfect uh, rule. But God created a man to rule the earth. And, and that has never happened you know, in the way that God intended. But it is going to happen. And God is going to do it in the person of Jesus Christ. So, uh, James, would you read 1 Corinthians 15, 24, and 25 there? Yes, sir. Then cometh the end when he shall have delivered upon the kingdom, delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and all power. For he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. Notice it says he must reign. That's why you can't deny the millennial kingdom, because Christ must rule this earth for a thousand years. And it's also proof, after that thousand-year reign, there's a rebellion, isn't there? And it goes to prove that, number one, man has a free will. And number two, man's problem is not his environment. The problem is sin. 
Well, there's not a lot of preaching about heaven anymore, but there needs to be. Some people will say, well, you're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. And I want to say, I think exactly the opposite is, is the problem, is the church is too worldly and not, minded, uh, not heavenly minded. So James, would you read Colossians 3, 1 and 2? This, this is Paul's instructions to Christians, to believers. Colossians 3, 1 and 2. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. Set your affection. The things that you love, they're over there. They're not over here. Now, we love our family. Uh, our problem is we, we love stuff and use people. We're supposed to love people and just use stuff, not abuse, but use. We got it backwards. Philippians 3.20, and I've got it quoted from the New King James. It's not quoted in the King James, and I'll tell you why as soon as James reads it. Philippians 3.20, for our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our citizenship, the King James says conversation. This word is only used one time in the, uh, in the New Testament. That means it's called a hapox, a hapox legomenon. You're not going to be quizzed on that. But that's when, when a word occurs only one time in a, in a body of work. And the word, uh, the word there is polituma. The Greek word for city is polis. Uh, maybe I've heard the word metropolis. Metra is mother. Polis is city. So a metropolis is a mother city. Folks, we're a citizen of another country. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank God for America. Praise God. I wouldn't want to be born anywhere else. Praise the Lord that he let me be alive in this free country. Thank you to all the veterans. I echo what it, what's already been said. But my citizenship, I'm a citizen of the United States of America, but my citizenship is, is in heaven as well. The Lamb's Book of Life, by the way, is like, uh, you might think of it this way too. In the ancient world, they had a registry with the names of all the citizens. So if your name is in the Lamb's Book of Life, that's proof of your citizenship in heaven. Anybody been, on a, been out of the country or been on a cruise or anything? I won't mention any names, but their initials are Jimmy and Sandra Horn. They went on a cruise. And in order to get on that boat, they had to prove something, right? And you had to get a, a copy of what? Birth certificate, right? Prove it. When that proved that they were, uh, you know, that they were citizens of America and that they could go sit on a private island while the worst, rest of us were working and slaving away, they could... Forget all their troubles. <laughs> but I'm a citizen of heaven, and the proof of my citizenship is that my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Let's don't forget that we're strangers and pilgrims here, guys. And the longer I live in this world, the more I see I don't belong in it. How about you? The more I look around, I see, you know what? My home is somewhere else. I just don't fit in in this place. The Old Testament saints understood this in the Hall of Faith, Hebrews eleven thirteen. James? Hebrews eleven thirteen. These all died in faith, not having received the promises. Stop right there. Don't miss this. Now, he's talking about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Noah, Enoch. And he says, these all died in faith, not having received the promises. We don't understand that sometimes. But Abraham never received everything God promised him in his life. He lived in tents. And he was one of the wealthiest people in the world. He had an army of 318 men. Did you know that? It's in your Bible. Abraham had a trained army. 
But he never had everything that God promised him in this world. But he died in faith. All right, James, I'm sorry. But having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. They were all strangers and pilgrims. Guess what? You are too. How do I know that? First Peter tells us. We're New Testament saints. First Peter 2, verse 11. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from the fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Yes, amen. Some motivation for holy living. Another reason we need to talk about heaven is because we need to be reminded from time to time we're going to get a new body. Warren said he looks forward to it, and I do too, brother. I look forward to that. Uh, you know, the older you get, the more you live on, you know, the medicine cabinet just keeps expanding, doesn't it? <laughs> and your schedule is worked around your doctor appointments. <laughs> Some of you know what I'm talking about. But um, the Bible says that you and I are going to have a body like Christ. This idea that we're going to float on a cloud and have this ethereal existence i don't know where that came from i guess it came from the devil do you make people think uh, think that heaven is just some kind of just kind of a some kind of strange experience but listen jesus had a real body he was able to walk he told thomas he said reach out and touch me stick your hand in my side uh, for 40 days after jesus rose from the dead he demonstrated his in his resurrection body he was able to eat fish hallelujah will there be a fish camp in heaven i hope so and i hope the tartar sauce is good I hope they use Duke's mayonnaise as the base. But, uh, but we're going to have a glorious body. Jesus was able to walk through walls. He, his body was not subject to the laws of gravity. Now, he was God, uh, so I don't know if, that, you know if we're going to have that, but it says that our bodies will be like his. Philippians uh, 3.21. Philippians 3.21. Who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body? according to the working by which he is able to even to subdue all things to himself. I quoted from the New King James because the King James says our vile body, and our bodies are not vile. That word has changed meaning over time. It means lowly. That's what the word originally meant. Um, but, but some people believe that the body's evil, and it's not. Your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit, if you're a believer. 1 John 3, 2. Beloved, now we are children of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Wow. You know why you want to live for God? Because one day you'll have a body just like the Lord Jesus Christ. Incorruptible, imperishable. No aches and pains. Death will be off the table. Not even a possibility. Another reason we need to talk about heaven is because of the comfort in trials. Uh, Ronnie, I want to thank you and Sherry for the heavenly medleys this morning. Uh, and it's amazing. If you want to hear songs about heaven, you kind of got to dig back in the past, don't you? Because now the church is so worldly, we sing songs like somebody could sing to their lover. You know? I need you, I love you. Well, there's nothing wrong with it, I guess, but uh, thank God for those old hymns that talk about the glories of heaven. Second uh, Corinthians four, seventeen. James, you're going to get a workout today, but these are going quick, aren't they? Yes, sir. Okay. 2 Corinthians 4, 17. For our light affliction, 
which is but for a moment, worketh for us as far more exceeding an eternal weight of glory. Read that next verse to you. 18. If you can see it. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Yes. <laughs> I love what Paul says in the, in the first part of that verse. He says, our light affliction. Have you ever read Paul's biography? The man had uh, heartache after heartache after hardship after hardship, right? Paul's, you know what Paul says? In the light of eternity, he says, it ain't no big deal. I don't know what you're going through today, and I'm not trying to trivialize your suffering. Please don't take it that way. And in the grand scheme of things, whatever you're going through right now, it ain't no big deal. One of these days, God's going to wipe all those tears away. He's going to, you're going to have a resurrected body. And, and all the cares are going to be passed. All the things that give us such anxiety and fear and worry are going to be nothing, not even a memory anymore. Hallelujah. You know, those old hymns, by the way, a lot of those written about heaven, they were written in times of crisis. Go back and look at the dates, World War I, um, Civil War. In times of war, people talked about, he- they thought about heaven. And maybe God's shaking us up a little bit, that's so where we'll think about heaven. All right, uh, Romans 8, 18. Romans eight eighteen, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Hallelujah. See, Paul was from the deep south. Notice he says, I reckon. <laughs> the Greek word is legizomai. It means I, I account. Okay. <laughs> All right. We got to have some fun. All right. Let's tell you what. Let's get the blood pumping. Uh, let's, let's stand up and read Revelation 21. Go with me to Revelation 21. Let's stand. And since James has got that hot microphone there, if he will read verses 1 through 8, Revelation 21, 1 through 8. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I saw... and. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done, I am Alpha and Omega the beginning and the end. And I will give unto him that is a thirst of a fountain of water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers 
and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. All right, let's pray really quick. Father, thank you for the word of the Lord. God, as we uh, try to break down these verses, give us the wisdom and understanding, but most of all, help us to apply what we know. And, uh, and that what we don't know, that you would reveal it to us, God, that we might know it and obey it. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. You can be seated. Didn't that feel good? Get up. Now, the, the new earth was predicted by uh, the Old Testament prophets. Now, I didn't go into great detail. Most of the descriptions, uh, again, are about the millennium. But Isaiah, uh, he prophesied about the new heavens and the new earth. Isaiah 65, 17 and Isaiah 66, 22. Isaiah 65, 17. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered nor come into mind. Isaiah 66, 22. For as the new heavens and the new earth, which I, which I will make, shall remain before me, saith the Lord, so shall your seed and your name remain. All right. So in Revelation 21, verse 1, it says there's a new heaven and a new earth, and it says the former heaven, the first and the first earth, what happens to them? Pass away. Y'all ready to have some fun? Climate crisis. I got a question mark here. Now you'll see here there's a couple of young people. Uh, I'm sure it's a mostly peaceful protest. And they're wearing their mask outside to prevent the spread of, uh, of whatever. Uh, it's interesting to me. They're, they're protesting in Australia, by the way, which is not one of the biggest carbon uh, emitters in the world. Uh, you know why they don't do this kind of thing in China, which is the biggest... That's right. They, they want to protest where, where freedom exists, right? And, for, and thank God that they have the freedom to act like idiots if they want to. Here, here's why you shouldn't lay up at night worried about climate crisis. Now, this was spoken to Noah after the greatest climate crisis man has ever known. <laughs> it called the flood. Uh, Genesis 8, 22. While the earth remaineth seed time and harvest and cold and heat and summer and winter and day and night shall not cease. Now that's in the Bible. Now if you're not a Christian, I could understand why you might lay awake at night, you know, thinking that your neighbor is going to destroy the world because he's driving a, a, a Suburban or a Tahoe. But if you're saved, you don't need to worry about that stuff. Because God promised you that while the earth remains, it's going to be okay. Now, is this a renovation or a recreation? Well, the Bible answers that for us. Psalm 102, 25 and 26. Of old host thou... Of old hast thou laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of thy hands. They shall perish, but thou shalt endure. Yea, all of them shall wax old like a garment. As a vesture shalt thou change them, and they shall be changed. That's reiterated in Hebrews 1. Uh, Luke 
21:33, Jesus made a promise. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. That's why you ought to make this your priority, the word of God. It's not going anywhere. All right. Second Peter 3, 12. Looking for and hasting unto, unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. All right, that seems pretty clear to me. It's going to be, the old earth is going to be destroyed or uncreated. Now, Revelation 21, the end of verse 1, this might be troubling to some. It says there's no more what? See. Sorry, beach lovers. <laughs> now, the sea is often uh, representative of uh, chaos. Okay? Isaiah 57, 20. But the wicked are like the troubled sea, when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. Daniel seven three. And for great and four great beasts came upon the sea, diverse one from the other. So Daniel saw those four uh, empires rising from where? The sea. Revelation thirteen one. Where does the Antichrist come from? And I stood upon the sand of the sea. And saw a beast rise up out of the sea. Revelation 20 verse 13. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And John was separated on the Isle of Patmos by the sea from the, the seven churches. All right, in verse 2 of, of 21, John sees the holy city. Oh boy. We'll talk more about that next week. But this is the capital city of heaven. Praise God. The Old Testament saints understood this. Now Hebrews 11:10 is talking about Abraham. Here, would you read that? For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Abraham was looking for a city that hath foundations. We'll talk about that next week. I, I often wonder how much these Old Testament saints knew. They knew a lot more than what I think they knew about what was going on. Hebrews thirteen fourteen. For here have no for here have we no continuing city, but we seek one to come. The New Jerusalem. Hebrews twelve twenty two. But ye are but ye are come unto Mount Zion, and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels. So many angels, you can't even count them. And that's where our home is, folks. That's where our home is. Notice in verse 2 of Revelation 21 that this city is prepared like a bride. Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Where is that? It's in the New Jerusalem. And I believe it's going to beat anything that you and I have ever seen. We can't even fathom what it's like. All right, the New Jerusalem is likened to a, a bride uh, and a mother. Galatians 4, 25 and 26. For this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to Jerusalem, which now is and is in bondage with her children. 
but the Jerusalem above is free, which is the mother of us all. Yes. Jerusalem above is the mother of us all. Now, Danny Aiken, who's president of the Southeastern Seminary, I found a quote by him, and I thought it was just fantastic. And uh, James, if you can read that, I'd appreciate it. She is pure, spotless, and without blemishing character. She comes down as a wonderful gift of grace, and she is prepared as a bride adorned for her husband, the Lamb, the Lord Jesus. She will be dis- described in greater detail in 21.9 through 22.5. It is important to note that she is both a place and a people, Danny Aiken. Is the New Jerusalem is a place and a people. Think of it this way, Peachland. If I say Peachland, this is Peachland is my adopted home, by the way. I was born in Marshville, but I love I love Peachland. But when I say Pre- Peachland is a is a friendly place, am I talking about the buildings or the geography? No, I'm talking about the people, right? So the, the same thing is at work uh, here. Now we get to verse three, and it says, um, "I heard a great voice out of heaven." How many times have we heard that phrase? Loud voice is what it is. It, the Greek is megaphone, is what it, the Greek is. Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. I don't think we can fully appreciate this. But God himself is going to dwell with his people. No more temples, no more churches, no more tabernacles. But God himself, the Father, and the Son are going to dwell with his people. Would you read John 1, 14? And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld this glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. See, God has tabernacled with us once before in the person of Jesus Christ. But now it's going to be unrestricted access to him. The word for tabernacle uh, is skene. And it's the same word that means to dwell with his people. That's what God has wanted ever since the fall of man. And I can't understand that. I cannot understand that with all, with all my heart. God wants to be with you, and he wants to spend time with, with me. And what a privilege it is. What a privilege it is to be able to go before his throne anytime, day or night, and to come boldly to have access to the presence of God. You and I, have a, we have an access that's far greater than anybody in the Old Testament ever had. Even the high priest, he could only go into the Holy of Holies one time, once a year, and not without great ceremonial preparation. But now you and I can come before his presence at any time. And when we gather in his name, there's a special presence. He said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of them. And and it makes me sad that so many people take that for granted. But here in the New Jerusalem, God himself will dwell with his people. You say, well, Henry, do you think we're going to be able to see God himself? Well, let's let the Bible answer that question for you. Matthew 5 and 8. 
Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. <laughs> now, Jesus is the one who said that. Do you believe him? I do. Revelation 21, verse 22. And I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. No more types and shadows and symbols. We got the real thing here. The real McCoy. Notice how John describes things in terms of what's not there. All right, Revelation 22, 3 and 4. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him, and they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. The face of God. Wow. Now notice Revelation 21, 4. God's going to wipe away all tears. Will there be tears in heaven? I believe that there will be tears during the millennium, especially when we appear before the judgment seat and see a, a loss of reward or loss of opportunity. It's not going to be over our sins. Thank God we've been, those have been paid for. They're not going to be brought up to us again. But we're not going to have any more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain. And you and I just can't imagine what, what a world like that would be. We just can't think of it. Our finite brains can't comprehend what it's like to have no more pain, no more sorrow, no more sadness. You know, even when a believer dies, we're, we feel sad. It feels so unnatural, doesn't it? For us to, because God made us to live forever. But death is going to be destroyed. 1 Corinthians 15, 26. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. Hallelujah. We're going to have a funeral for death. 1 Corinthians 15, 55 and 56. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. After the thousand-year reign of Christ, the devil is going to be destroyed in the lake of fire. And that's, in, and that's why death is no more. Because Hebrews 2, 14 tells us who's responsible for death. For as much then as the children are partakers of the flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. Hallelujah. Verse 5, he that sat on the throne says, Behold, I make all things new. He's not putting a Band-Aid on the old thing. He's making everything new. Let me ask you this. When you got saved, did God just put a Band-Aid on the old you? No, sir. If any man be in Christ, he's what? New creation. New creation. Hallelujah. Notice he tells John to write. At the end of verse 5. Now that was John's, that's John's assignment, right? He's supposed to write. So what does that tell me? It tells me John was so blown away. He couldn't write. He was amazed. He was and you know what that tells me? It tells me that if God were to really let us know what heaven is like, we would be utterly speechless. Oh yeah, we can try to sing about it and describe it. We can try to write books about it. I got my own opinions about that kind of stuff, but you can probably tell where, where, where they are. But speech utterly fails, doesn't it? 
Paul, when he came back from heaven, he said, I heard things that was not lawful for a man to utter. It's so utterly breathtaking. Verse 6, he said, it is done. Reminds you of what Jesus said on the cross, doesn't it? I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and last letter of the Greek alphabet, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is thirsty, a thirst, of the fountain of the water of life freely. James, would you read Isaiah 55, verse 1? Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come by and eat. Yes, come by wine and milk without money and without price. I wasn't looking at my Bible, and James said, ho. I was like, what's he talking about? <laughs> I love the language of Scripture. You can come. and It's not going to cost you anything. It costs Christ everything. Matthew 5, verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Praise God. I love this. Now, we could talk about the woman at the well, John chapter 4, you know. I just didn't have room to put it on my slide. But let's go to John 7, 37 and 38. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Praise God. All right. Verse 7. He that overcomes shall inherit how many things? All things. And I will be his God and he will be my son. Let's look at the promises to the overcomers thus far. To the church at Ephesus, what is the promise? This is an open book quiz. To the church at Smyrna, what is the promise? To the church at Pergamum. To the church at Thyatira. To the church in Sardis. Never blotted out of the book of life. Confessed before the Father and the angels. What about the church in Philadelphia? Pillar in the temple of God. Write upon him the name of God. The name of the city, New Jerusalem. And Jesus' new name. To the church at Laodicea. Sit with Christ on his throne. And to sum it all up in Revelation 21, to all overcomers in all churches, in all ages, what's the promise? <laughs> Praise the living God. Jesus said the meek will inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, they will inherit the earth. You say, well, Henry, who's the overcomer? Is that a special class of Christian? Maybe. Is that, is that the, the member of the first free will, uh, holiness, Baptist church? Are they the overcomers? Is it the, the church of God in Christ? Is it the uh, free will Baptist? No. God tells us who the overcomers are. 1 John 5, 4 and 5. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Let me ask you, do you believe Jesus is the Son of God? You believe it with all your heart? 
with all your mind, with all your soul? Do you trust in Him? Are you relying on Him completely for your salvation? If you are, guess what? You're the overcomer. That's what the Bible says. I didn't make, up, make that up. God says if you believe that, you're the overcomer. And all of those promises belong to you. Hallelujah. Well, there's one last verse here, and that's verse 8 of Revelation 21. But the fearful, that would be the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, those whose minds are reprobate, um, murderers, and put, presumably th these are those who would have uh, murdered the saints during the tribulation period too. Sexually immoral, King James says whoremongers, any sexual immorality, sorcerers, the Greek word is pharmakia, that's where we get our word pharmacy from, idolaters, that's anything we put before God. And all liars shall have their part where? In the lake that burns with fire and brimstone. This is the second death. So who are excluded from the city? Last, last slide here, James. Revelation twenty thirteen and 14. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every one of them according to their deeds. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. Okay. Just as real as heaven is, the lake of fire is a real place. And God puts those two, he sets them opposed to one another to show you that the reality of both. And heaven is a real place, folks. We're going to talk about next week... God's going to give you the, the dimensions of the city. Why does he do that? To let you know it's a real place. It has real square feet uh, and, and inches and so forth. Would you stand this morning? It would be a shame to sing about a heaven, to read about a heaven, and to not be able to go in because you didn't do the one simple thing that was the requirement to get there. Your ticket to heaven has been paid for. And to borrow the analogy I've heard from so many preachers, your ticket is blood red. Jesus Christ paid the price for every sin you and I would ever commit. He died on Calvary's cross. He took the penalty of sin. He took the wrath of God in himself so that if you and I would believe and accept his sacrifice and believe that God raised him from the dead, we would be able to spend eternity with him. If you've not made that decision yet, today may be your last opportunity. God only knows. But I would hate to leave this world knowing that Jesus paid it all. And I said, no, thank you. I'd rather have the lake of fire. The lake of fire was not prepared for you. If you go there, you will go against God's wishes. God wants you to go to heaven. He paid the price. He made the way. Jesus told the disciples before he died, he said, I'm going back to heaven and he says, the way you know. And the disciples said, we don't know where you're going, Lord. We don't know the way. And Jesus said this very simple statement. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. There is no other way to heaven than by the blood-stained cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you come 
humbly right now, just as you are, and say, God, have mercy on me as a sinner. I trust Christ. He will save your soul. And your name will be in the Lamb's Book of Life. And you can sing about these songs about heaven. And it can take on a whole new meaning for you. Because you're not just singing about somewhere you'll never go. You're singing about somewhere. Not only that you're going to go, but that's where your home is. Amen. Would you come?